I'm not 
minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments of the Morning radio program.
Let me pray, let me pray, just one prayer. Hashem, let me sing just one song. Hashem, let me live till the great morning comes, when the whole world will sing just one song J.M. in the A.M. Good morning. It's Erev Shabbos. It's Labor Day weekend, believe it or not. And here we are live in our Teaneck studio at J.M. in the A.M. My name is Nahum Siegel. Good morning, everybody. Yehuda Green with Anna Bakoach, Just One Shabbos from Ben C. Marcus and Company. Moshav Band had Lachad Odi and Vishamru. Tor Mishalo and Aishas Chayal done by the Camp Shalva Boys Choir. We played them yesterday and I said, wow, we got to get more of their Erev Shabbos selections on the air. Uh, Shlomo Katz with Proke, and you heard Regesh, of course, with Modaani opening things up, and we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday on this Labor Day weekend. It's September the 2nd, day 6 in the month of Elul. It's Erev Shabbos, Parsha Shoftim, with candlelighting time at 7.06 on this Erev Shabbos. 7.06 is candlelighting. Monday is Labor Day. I believe I'm doing the show Monday. I don't think I've made a final decision about that. But I should be in, and um, I hope you'll be with us. And I hope your uh, Labor Day weekend will be uh, calm and festive and family-oriented, and you'll have an opportunity to um, rest up a bit. One of the things that the people in my life are demanding (laughs) that I do over this Shabbos. And to please God, that should happen. 706 Candlelighting in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are as we get ready for uh, Shabbos Shoftim coming up. One of the uh, first few last Shabbatot of the year, believe it or not. Getting closer and closer to Rosh Hashanah. Um, I do want to remind you that this coming Sunday, I do want to remind you that this coming Sunday is the swabbing event and the informational event uh, that's being put together by Renewal. This is in an effort, of course, to um, 
get a kidney donation, a kidney match for Dr. Jay Bienenfeld. We've been asking people for the last few weeks to set aside September the 4th at 11 a.m. Please be there. Um, the program will start at 11, the swabbing at noon. Now, there's a recent development regarding the swabbing, and that is that for those who are not able to be at the event itself, those who have other plans for the middle part of a Labor Day Sunday, the swabbing will actually commence at 9 a.m. You literally could go to shul uh, at... Um, Kehila Space Israel, 352 West Broadway in Cedarhurst. And right after Minion, after that, that Minion that ends around 9, uh, you literally can get swabbed and take care of it on the spot. So we are saying, as we have been saying, that the program's at 11 and swabbing's at noon. But, but if you are um, not able to be at the event... Swabbing is actually going to commence at 9 a.m. So if at 9 or 9.15 or 9.30 or 10 o'clock, you want to be swabbed in order to see if you're a match, that will be happening at the shul. All right, so keep that in mind for Sunday. 352 West Broadway in Cedarhurst. Again, 352 West Broadway in Cedarhurst. Kehila Space Israel. We're in need of a kidney for our dear friend, Dr. Jay Bienenfeld. And uh, again, the swabbing that's officially happening at noon, is really going to start at 9 a.m. You could walk in at 9 o'clock, 9.30, a quarter to 10, and you can get swabbed and take care of it as early as um, 9 o'clock in the morning. All right? Um, so, again, Kehila Space Israel, 352 uh, West Broadway in Cedarhurst. And... Um, be there on Sunday. It's part of our Elul Chesed program. Show up. Be counted. Be there on Sunday. Make sure to get swabbed. You can get swabbed as early as 9 a.m. And you'll hear a very inspiring talk from Rabbi Sturm of Renewal. And uh, the swabbing will continue past noon. And, um, and that's what you need to know. 352 West Broadway in Cedarhurst, Kehila Space Israel. And I hope as many people as possible from far and wide come out to be part of that event. JM and the AM, I want to give a special mazel tov to Avraham Yaakov Chaifetz, uh, the son of um, Dina and Rabbi Benjamin Chaifetz, is becoming a bar mitzvah this Shabbos in Brooklyn, New York. And I want to give a very special mazel tov to the Chaifetz family in Brooklyn and to the Siegel family on Staten Island and uh, in so many other places, Baruch Hashem. And wish everybody a very special mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. That's pretty amazing that my niece and nephew are making a bar mitzvah. And uh, we wish Avraham Yaakov Chaifetz a very special mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Pretty amazing, huh? I certainly would say so. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. We've already heard from Trucker Yitz, who's informed us that Nate's in the Catskills was 624, or is, yeah, it was 624. Listener Tikva has checked in from Israel. And listener Judy Landy, as well, has uh, checked in. 
Wishing Lizzie and Yosef a very special happy anniversary. Um, so yeah, lots going on, Baruch Hashem. Let's keep the Simcha going, everybody. And uh, thanks for joining us on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Harry Rothenberg and Rabbi Yudin will speak about Parsha Shoftim. Malcolm Honline will check in with the uh, weekly update. He's Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We'll do that later on in the 7 o'clock hour. And plenty more on a Friday Erev Shabbos right here at JM in the AM.
de și vii
שבת מנוחה, כל המתענגים בה, כל המתענגים בה, כל המתענגים בה. Micha Gammerman, the Lil Shabbat medley here at JM in the AM. Uh, what do we have before that? Before that, we did the Anna uh, B'Koach done by Yehuda Green. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio. 
Around the world, the web at NahumSingle.com, on the NahumSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Having trouble getting to our news from Israel. Hopefully that'll change in the next minute or so. And we'll get that on the air for you. Harry Rothenberg and Rabbi Yudin will be speaking about Parsha Shoftim. It's uh, Erev Shabbos Parsha Shoftim with candlelighting in New York at 7.06. 7.06 candlelighting. Make sure you know when things start where you are and you're a part of the world. But 7.06 for the New Yorkers and New Jerseyans. Again, make sure you know when things start where you are. Uh, we told you about the swabbing event. The swabbing event will actually begin at 9 a.m., even though we've been announcing that the program is at 11 and then the swabbing at 12. This Sunday, the swabbing, if you can only find time to get swabbed, will start at 9 o'clock in the morning at Kahila Spacey Sorrell in Cedarhurst. Uh, that is uh, presented by our friends at Renewal. We want to find a kidney match for our good friend, Dr. Jay Bienenfeld. Kahila Spacey Sorrell is located at 352 West Broadway in Cedarhurst. Do your best to be there this coming Sunday, the 4th of September. Information at NahumSiegel.com slash chesed. NahumSiegel.com slash chesed. That's where you'll find the links to some of the causes we've been talking about on the air this week, including the Chevrogamach. Uh, you could support that directly with the link that you'll find on that page. So uh, check it out, and we'll continue to add to that list. JM the AM, did I do the idea already? I don't even remember. Um, Malcolm Honline is expected in the 7 o'clock hour with the weekly update, about 7.40 a.m. Eastern time right here at JM and the AM. We'll try to go through the events of the week. Golly, it's on the background. <laughs> Sometimes I really wish I could understand what's going on. Uh, golly, it's on the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up, of course. <laughs> Coming up at 10 o'clock this morning, it's Mark Zomik with the Arab Shabbos Show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, specifically prepared for this week. 10 o'clock this morning, right here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Galei Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next. עימותים בין פעילי ימין לכוחות הביטחון פרצו סמוך לקבר שמואל הנביא בירושלים. המתעמתים מוחים על תקיפת יהודי שהראה במקום בשבוע שעבר. כתבתנו בבירה, יערה אברהם. המשטרה עצרה שני מתפרעים מקווה אחד נוסף ופועלת על מנת לפזר את העימותים שהתפתחו סמוך למתחם קבר שמואל הנביא. פעילי ימין הגיעו מוקדם יותר למתחם במחאה על אירוע תקיפת היהודי שאירע במקום שבוע קודם לכן, ומספר פעילים פלסטינים הגיעו גם כן. מפקד תחנת לב הבירה ניצב משנה שימי מרציאנו קבע כי לא תתאפשר כניסה למתחם הקבר עם דגל מחאה משום סוג שהוא. גבר בשנות ה-70 לחייו טבע בחוף פלמחים, מצבו אנוש. הוא טופל על ידי חובשים ופרמדיקים של מגן דוד אדום, ופונה לבית החולים אסף הרופא בכפר סבא. ידיעה שמסרה כתבתנו הדס שטייף. רוסיה הודיעה כי שני מפקחים מטעם הסוכנות הבינלאומית לאנרגיה אטומית יוצבו בתחנת הכוח הגרעינית באוקראינה באופן קבוע. מדווחת כתבת חדשות החוץ, שחר קנוטובסקי. ההודעה הרוסית על היתר הכניסה למפקחים מגיעה לאחר שמוקדם יותר היום טענה הסוכנות האוקראינית לאנרגיה אטומית כי צבא רוסיה מנע מהמשלחת של הסוכנות הבינלאומית להיכנס למרכז תחנת הכוח הגרעינית הגדולה באירופה. 
במקביל, שר ההגנה הרוסי האשים כי האוקראינים מבצעים טרור גרעיני, וכי הם ממשיכים להפציץ סמוך לתחנה. בתוך כך, בשעה תשע בערב שעון ישראל, יכנס ראש הסוכנות הבינלאומית לאנרגיה אטומית רפאל גרוסי מסיבת עיתונאים. גרוסי צפוי לעדכן בדבר הביקור שלו ושל אנשיו בתחנה האוקראינית. כדורסל מאליפות אירופה. בעוד שעה קלה ייפתח משחקה הראשון של נבחרת ישראל באליפות מול נבחרת פינלנד. השתיים תתמודדנה באולם ה-O2 בפראג, בירת צ'כיה, כשרק בשבוע שעבר ישראל הפסידה לפינלנד במסגרת מוקדמות גביע העולם. במוצאי שבת ב-10 תפגוש הנבחרת את הולנד, ובהמשך תשחק גם מול פולין, סרביה וצ'כיה. אם הנבחרת תסיים באחד מארבעת המקומות הראשונים בבית ד', היא תעפיל לשמינית הגמר שייערך בברלין. מזג האוויר נאה והטמפרטורות תהיינה רגילות לעונה, עם עומסי חום ברוב אזורי הארץ. אלה החדשות שערך ים יוסף, בצוות ים אור קבבצ'י ואילי דרעי. Yeah. 
Danny Friedman, S-I-N-I. Aish before that was Shalom Aleichem here at JM in the AM. Harry Rothenberg coming up in a second with words about Parsha Shoftim. I do want to remind everybody that we are uh, making a very strong effort to find a match for Dr. Jay Bienenfeld, who's in dire need of a kidney. The awareness and swabbing event starts at 11 o'clock this coming Sunday at Kehillah Space Israel, 352 West Broadway in Cedarhurst. Please be there. The swabbing, it has been announced, the swabbing will actually begin much earlier at 9 a.m. Sunday. 9 a.m. Sundays. If you can't make the event during those times in the middle of the day, starting at 9 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, you could be swabbed. Any information you need, you could contact our friends at Renewal. Email them directly, r25555 at renewal.org, r25555 at renewal.org. Harry Rothenberg with words about... Oh, sorry about that. Harry Rothenberg with words about Parsha Shoftim on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. At the very end of this week's Parsha, we learned the law of the Egla Arufa. When there's a murder victim found out in the countryside, the elders of the closest city perform a ritual. They bring a calf to an area that's not fertile, and they slaughter the calf. The Talmud explains that it's as if God is saying, take a calf that hasn't yet borne fruit, in other words, hasn't yet had offspring, slaughter it in an area that doesn't produce fruit in order to atone for the death of someone who wasn't allowed to produce fruit. And the Talmud goes on and explains that the person, the murder victim, who wasn't allowed to produce fruit, that's not referring to offspring because that person may have been past childbearing age or otherwise unable to have children. It's referring to the mitzvahs, those fruits that the person wasn't able to do because of their untimely demise when God indulged the free will of the murderer. But that also begs the question, maybe the murder victim was an elderly, righteous person who had spent his or her life doing mitzvahs. So what do you mean they weren't allowed to produce fruit? They weren't allowed to perform mitzvahs. So the Talmud's teaching us an incredibly important lesson. Those mitzvahs that the person hadn't yet done, those fruits, are incredibly important. And that's why the Mishnah elsewhere teaches us that someone who saves or sustains one life, it's as if they've saved or sustained an entire world. But what if the one life they saved was of a 105-year-old, a very, very low life expectancy? How many more mitzvahs could that person have done? And the answer is, even if it's a handful, even if it's one, that's a big deal. That's saving or sustaining an entire world. And that's an incredibly powerful lesson for us right now at the beginning of the month of Elul, the month that leads into the high holidays, teaching us the importance of today. Forget about yesterday. You may have been a great boy or great girl and done lots of mitzvahs. That's fantastic, but you can't rest on your laurels. There are more fruits to come. You have more opportunities. And if you have done the wrong thing in the past, don't fret over that. Don't worry. You've got today. You've got tomorrow. If you make a New Year's resolution, in honor of the upcoming Jewish New Year, and then you carry it out. That is unbelievable. But even before you carry it out, just having made the resolution, that's already a big deal. You're already a new person. You're somebody who has resolved to work on themselves, to affect change, to improve his or her relationship with God. And even if you haven't yet made the resolution, but you've thought about it, you're also a new person. You're someone who has spent time thinking about how can I improve my relationship with God instead of figuring out 
Who am I going to draft in my fantasy football league? Or what color am I going to paint my new kitchen or living room? Not to criticize them, but there are much better uses of your time in Elo. Ready or not, Rosh Hashanah and then Yom Kippur are around the corner. Make a resolution. Think about making a resolution. You can create a new you, a new world.
JM in the AM, 7.30 in the morning on a Friday, Erev Shabbos, on this uh, second day of September, day number six in the month of Elul. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Um, when should we do our Elul show for blowing? Should we do it now? Maybe we'll do it now. I don't want to forget later on. All right, so we'll do that now. <laughs> Programming the show as we go along. Isn't that what Freeform Radio is all about? I would say so. Elul show for blowing every uh, Sunday through Friday, except for Erev Rosh Hashanah during the month of Elul. Here it is for you at JM in the AM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Regesh at Shalom Aleichem. Shlemy Gertner had Lichtiger Shabbos. Malcolm Holine is going to join us. He's Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We'll do the uh, weekly update coming up here at JM in the AM. Rabbi Yudin on Parsha Shoftim. We'll have that for you. Um, Yeah, a lot going on, right? That's for sure. Got a nice note from uh, listener Cena. Oh, before we talk about listener Cena, I just wanted to remind everybody that this portion of NSN programming is brought to you by our friends at A&H. It is a big grilling weekend. That has been confirmed by the entire country. <laughs> Labor Day weekend, Sunday, Monday, massive grilling days. You're going to want to make sure to have plenty of delicious and incredible A&H hot dogs in your fridge and freezer. Ready for family and friends to enjoy over the weekend. Get ready, everybody. Go to kosherdogs.net. Enjoy a 10% discount with promo code radio. Try A&H today. They have an amazing line of products, but boy, their hot dogs this time of year. Can't get enough of them. And that is an understatement. Um, got a note from listener Cena, and it reads, um, just got back from my niece's wedding. Uh, mazel tov to my amazing niece, Bryna Nyman of Cedarhurst and Deshui Hachman of Baltimore in their marriage last night. Mazel tov to Bryna's father, Rabbi David Nyman. We know Bryna's mother, Robin Aleha Shalom, was watching from her heavenly place and shepping tons of nachas, and so was Uncle George. Mazel tov to the entire Nyman and Hachman families. Extra special mazel tov to great-grandma Roberta Eisenman of Muncie. What a covet it was for us. And you could be there wishing Bryna and Shui a lifetime together filled with abundant simcha, good health, and all of Hashem's blessings. With much love from Tanta Sina, also known as uh, Uncle George's wife, <laughs> and to us known as listener Sina from down in the Sunshine State. Mazal tov to the new couple from all of us here at JM in the AM. I want to remind everybody that our very own Rabbi David Goldwasser is going to be heading down to East Brunswick, New Jersey. Um, let me give you the details on this. Inspiration for Elul, presented by the Young Israel of East Brunswick Adult Education, featuring by David Goldwasser. The topic is Tshuva, the power to change. 
Tuesday, September the 13th, 7.30 p.m. Program is being sponsored by our dear friends B and Ralph Rosenbaum. Information for the Young Israel of East Brunswick, yieb.org, yieb.org. Again, that event is the 13th of September. Mark your calendars. More coming up Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, JM in the AM.
seventh day, the seventh day of every week. Each up is our day of rest for the one above. We look our best, sing a song of praise. Shabbos we shall keep. Is
And I call out for answers. Arye Kunstler, before this uh, selection, you heard the Mizmor Sheer, Leoma Shabbos, here at JMNAM. Candlelighting in New York, 706. 706, make sure you know when things start where you are. 706, official candlelighting in the New York area on this era of Shabbos. Uh, Parsha Shoftim, Labor Day weekend here at um, here in the U.S., Hope you're doing fine and dandy no matter where you are around the world. I want to thank our friends at jewishworldreview.com. Check out jewishworldreview.com if you want to see and experience thousands of articles about Israel and the Jewish world. You can print them out before Shabbos and become even more educated over the weekend. How do you like that? What a system. Go to jewishworldreview.com and enjoy. I want to wish a mazel tov to Avraham Yaakov Chefetz. My great nephew is celebrating a bar mitzvah this Shabbos. Mazel up to the extended Chayfits and Siegel families, especially to Adina and Rabbi Benjamin Chayfits from all of us here at JM in the AM. Avram Yaakov Chayfits becoming a bar mitzvah on this Shabbos Parsha Shoftim. Mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Malcolm Honline is the vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays. For the weekly update here at JM and the AM, Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you. It's good to be with you again. Appreciate that. Uh, a lot of people are uh, commenting regarding the President of the United States speech last night, and of course there are many who are upset about what they call the, the divisive nature of the speech, and there are others who are defending it as a necessary um, a proclamation or analysis of the situation here in the United States. But no matter what political front one might be on, Mr. Honline, I thought it's important to remind the audience and just to mention for a moment that these types of um, of uh, this type of um, uh, of debate, back and forth rhetoric, whatever you want to call it, is never healthy historically for the Jewish community. And therefore, I, uh, I just wanted to mention that no matter what people think and no matter how angry one might be for what he said, didn't say, what the reaction was to what he did or didn't say, etc. One must remember that this type of uh, verbal activity never seems to benefit our people in the long run. Well, political instability doesn't benefit our people. And, um, you know, the partisanship is built in and it's very exaggerated right now. In, uh, and the concern, I think, that it's being expressed by people is, is valid. The, um, com- the the partisanship that so dominates everything when at a time when we have such critical issues confronting us, we're at the, the cusp on, the, on Iran, we're on the cusp of so many other issues that don't even get mentioned, hardly discussed at this time, is is very disturbing, and it's hard to get people's attention on it when they're so focused either on personalities or on politics or partisanship. Uh, so I think that that is fueling a lot of the concern that, that we hear. And as somebody like yourself, who uh, not only has been in the political arena all these decades, but you know has had quite a relationship, some of which you've described uh, on the air with President Biden, I, I have to assume that you are somewhat surprised at his tone uh, that he's taken recently in presentations like last night. Well, I think that uh, everybody's looking to the November elections. Traditionally, Labor Day is the kickoff for campaigns, whether it's presidential or congressional or others, when because of the summer, people are assumed to be 
preoccupied with other things and not focused. I don't know if they'll focus afterwards, but uh, I think, you know, but traditionally this was the uh, beginning of the campaign season. We see it moving earlier, earlier. And in fact, the whole summer people were campaigning and right after the primaries, uh, whether it's locally or nationally, the campaign seemed to be never ending. And we, we don't have, you know, seasonal politics. And the December, the, the November elections are very critical because it will determine control of Congress and other things. And the earlier lead that the Republicans seem to have and the surety that many felt, I think, is now um, tempered down and that the uh, president's response is to take the lead. And I think that we'll see much more on all sides, but uh, particularly that the there were criticisms that the Democrats didn't take it seriously enough. Uh, we see that independents, for instance, now are leaning more democratic, which could be make a big difference because you're, you're not talking about big margins in many places. And also, if if, if one is, uh, is if, if you're going to criticize, I don't just mean you because you happen to mention it before, but if if many are not focusing on the issues and instead, instead are focusing on the, uh, again, on the tone and on the uh, uh, the atmosphere, uh, then it has to start at the top. And the reality is that, you know, this was a campaign speech that he gave last night as opposed to addressing some of the really key issues that need to be addressed in this country. I know that your list might differ a bit from others because uh, we concentrate a lot in this conversation on things that are happening outside the country, but just the the, the domestic issues that, that people are demanding be addressed by Washington are being avoided at this time. So your, what you said earlier about, you know, some th- certain things aren't even being spoken about and they're so vital at this time, that could apply even to the President of the United States. Absolutely. I mean, the domestic agenda of the of inflation of people not being able to afford food, about the, the social revolution that is going on and values and norms, these are all very vital and critical long-term issues. Crime. And and right away, anybody who expresses a viewpoint one way or the other gets attacked and gets criticized or boxed in rather than trying to have a, a rational debate on on really vital issues affecting our children and future generations, affecting uh, the very fundamentals of, of what people uh, of our country, of uh, yeah. uh, what, what we stand on. You know, it's funny, what you said earlier, May we may have stumbled upon what the essence of all of this is, and that is, that, and we used to joke, that the campaign season was always extended. We used to joke that it would start, you know, a year before, et cetera. Now it's just endless. Now, you know, an election could be won, and the next morning already this campaign's happening, you know, and, and jockeying for position in terms of, uh, you know, who are going to be the candidates in both local and national elections, and it's just never ending. And it's hard it's hard to run a country to expect results for really important day-to-day matters when it's just one big campaign going on constantly in one big cycle. That's true. Yeah. And and the the diminution of the political center and that people are being forced to identify politically by party, by um, ideology, rather than looking at the substance of things and saying, let's discuss it because you have people who cross lines and and we see it on the Iran that uh, 30 Democrats joined a group of Republicans and uh, wrote a letter to the president criticizing the Iran deal that was led by uh, Josh Gottheimer of New Jersey. Um, and then there are those who criticize them for it. But in fact, it, it, it was a rational approach to a serious issue 
that requires that kind of thoughtful admonitions and concerns being expressed when we're heading, it seems we're heading towards a, a deal, even though right now it looks like the Iranian response spooked some of our, our, the American interlocutors who talked about it not being helpful, not being, but we never know whether that is um, a staging or, or reality or, you know, that everybody tries to position themselves uh, on this deal because for so long we were told that it's far off and there's no deal and you know, all of a sudden the Europeans come up with a proposal and, and we're, we were facing a deadline even of a week uh, on this. Is that deadline still in effect? No. I would say that the, well, according to the latest reports uh, overnight, the the um, administration of the people saying that the Iranian response to the U.S. response was disappointing. I think a key issue is what happens at the International Atomic Energy Agency. They're meeting in a week uh, and the um, potential criticisms of Iran being on the agenda for violating all the agreements for not allowing inspections. And Iran has said that if it's not dropped, if this in investigation is not dropped, then there will be no deal. So they're trying to make it conditioned on it. And I think the Western interlocutors were trying to dance around it, perhaps not forcing a, a final condemnation, but not being willing to say that Italian get off the agenda, and mostly because Grassi, the head of the IEA, has been tough on it and saying that they're going to pursue it. It's, it was a clear violation, they, and they you know, they found particles indicating uh, other advanced nuclear research, and we know from, from what they're doing now that they, they did things in spite. They opened up Natanz and put IR-6s uh, in the underground facility, They've been doing it in the overground facilities. They're doing it in Fordo, which means that they can enrich at a much faster speed. And even if we would say that they shut it down or they export the excess uranium, it, their breakout time is no longer a year. It's maybe weeks because they have the, this increased capacity and they're not asked to destroy, which is what they should do, the facilities. And the facilities that they supposedly destroyed under the JCPOA number one, they did not. And we are we are seeing the the more the advancements that they they have made the stockpiling, and the advancements on their ballistic missile program, and the fact that they're talking about putting up a series of uh, lightweight and then heavier weight um, uh, satellites. This is all part of the testing of the ballistic missile program, which has made uh, advancements. And the weaponization has also may may not be complete, but the essential components are there. So we're not talking about in any way the same circumstances. Second, you have a very different alliance with Russia, with China, with others, and their income because of the rise in the price of oil has taken off some of the financial pressure off the leadership because they get the first money. They, they control 40% of the economy, the IRGC and the Supreme Leader. So they are not, you know, they're not feeling the same pressure. The people are. The people are, are suffering for it. Um, there's even reports now that Russia may sell the S-300 or S-400 defense systems to Iran. I mean, there are, there are so many stories, and they, they get almost um, no, no coverage or no real assessment about what these, what these means. You know, Iran has about 93 million barrels of oil sitting in storage in various places offshore in the Gulf and Singapore near China and Venezuela. And they would sell that immediately. They would be permitted to sell it. So right away, they'd have immediate influx in addition to the talk of $100 billion 
in the first year and $100 billion each year, meaning a trillion dollars over, over a decade. So the, you know, we're not talking about the same circumstance that we had before. Iran's military has been built up in some respects, the drones certainly, and you see that they're selling them to Russia, who are using them in Ukraine, uh, weaponized uh, drones. Uh, they've used them and have demonstrated just in the last week a big exercise using 15 different kinds of drones that they've developed. Uh, some of them, it is believed, may be based on the on Israeli rocket technology. But that's why all of this is coming to a head right now. And there's so much uh, that's at stake and the um, shifting sand in the region, the fact that the UAE is reaching out to Iran and others because they don't believe that the West is going to stand its ground. Right. And that's what they were counting on. Countries like the UAE and others thought that finally they had a breakthrough and the United States would be there for them uh, to take a tough stand against Iran. And they're being completely disappointed by us. They're being disappointed by us. They don't. It, you know, there are, was positive news that the Benny Gantz, the defense minister, um, signed a contract with the U.S. Department of Defense, which will allow Boeing to sell four KC-46 refueling planes um, and also new F-35s and heavy transport helicopters, submarines is very important. But if you have to look, you see that the delivery date of the first one is until 2025. And so it's not an immediate shift. It is important long-term. The sale is something Israel wanted for a long time, but it shouldn't be a tra- trade-off. This shouldn't be preparing the ground for a deal. This is something Israel should be getting because it's essential for their defense. Um, and you saw also that Gantz signed a defense deal the first time ever with Japan, which I think is a very significant uh, development. And it's it steps up in cooperation in military equipment and technology and uh, you know, I, and I think last year, Japanese firms put in almost $3 billion in 85 deals. So there's a lot going on between Japan and Israel. They've always played quiet, but this is uh, these are significant developments. Again, the kind of stuff that nobody even notices and that Israel's exports and oil were up 22% last year, which is an amazing uh, statistic, and increased this year uh, as well. So there are a lot of faults with the agreement. I know people are tired of hearing the details and are hired, tired of, um, you know, the the deal itself. And that's part of the, ta- the the tactic is, you know, just run the clock on it and people just, you know, finally give in. But the answer is that it doesn't address anything on terrorism. It doesn't address so many of the issues of the challenges that Iran um, poses, both to the region, to Israel and to the United States and the um, – uh, the, the need to, to really understand in detail what this is about is essential. Well, two things that um, uh, I uh, I got from your presentation is that, I mean, the first is that um, I, I always suspected that there would be uh, there would be hesitancy from Washington to, in fact, disappoint those countries, whether it's the UAE, Saudi Arabia, others who are depending on them or at least expressing some dependence on them regarding Iran. But if you look at the U.S. track record, it's not such a uh, strange concept to uh, to not be there when other countries need them uh, in a pinch. So I guess it's not um, it's there's no guarantee that Washington's going to be there uh, for the countries that are depending on them or at least expressing publicly some type of dependence on them when it comes to Iran. And the second thing is 
as you outlined every category, uh, I don't know how many of them are actual, you know, international violations, because I don't know in each one of those categories that you mentioned what Iran is allowed or not allowed to do. But it sounds like no matter what it is, whether it's uh, uh, from a military perspective, a weaponization perspective, a um, a um, uh, uh, enriching perspective, no matter what category you choose, they're doing whatever it is the West does not want them to do. They are progressing in an area completely against the wishes of, of those who are you know trying to discipline them. And it's it's a completely across the board. It's not like they're you know uh, they're simply advancing in one area or weaponizing and they have to be stopped. There's nothing that they're doing that doesn't seem to be either in violation or against the will of the West at this point. Against the will of the West and against the agreements that they signed, and that the uh, you know that a lot of this stuff is not reversible, as people have said. Once you have the technology and you know how to do it, the know-how can't be taken away. And, you know, and, and in no way has Iran diminished its hateful activities, its anti-Semitism, its, its uh, anti-Gulf countries. Uh, you saw what the UAE did by, by returning an ambassador, by saying they're not going to join the joint cooperative uh, aerial reconnaissance in the, in the Gulf. So many other things that, that go on. We see the advances they're making in South America all the time. You know the the uh, support for the Houthis for Hezbollah for Hamas, and think if they get this huge influx of money, how much of it will go to to these uh, to these countries? I mean, there's an un- almost unlimited list of um, of actions that they've taken and of issues that are outstanding and that the the deal will not ad- address. And you know, and this deal has a whole different structure with a, a stage one, a stage two, a stage three. Uh, with implementation day, not I think four months into the deal, and they're supposed to be Iran is supposed to be finished uh, implementing all the limitations on the nuclear program and allowing the IA inspections. They never allow the IA inspections to really take place, and the and U.S. is going to list, lift the secondary sanctions on Iran. Now they're saying that one of the big issues is that removing the IGC from the from the list, the terrorism list. But if you look at some of the potential benefits that supposedly are going to be derived and the sanctions that would be lifted, uh, maybe without congressional review, the, the supreme leader and 110 Iranian officials would be removed, the 17 major Iranian banks and credit unions, 44 industrial metal companies, and that's what we know. And the, the you know the, there is a deal, there is an understanding that Congress would get to review any deal. There is, uh, and there's a time deadline within five days of the uh, reaching agreement. It's supposed to be submitted to Congress. That we'll have 30 days um, to review it, which is not a lot of time. I think many will not want to see this deal come up before the congressional elections because they know that if it's a bad deal, it will it will hurt certainly in marginal races, and in um, and I'm not sure that they want to really expose the full details. The members of Congress don't know the details of the deal. Maybe a couple do, but the ones I've spoken to honestly say they just don't know what, what uh, is entailed in it yet. And it's being played very close to the to the vest. But it will have to come before Congress. And then the, the, the problem is that ultimately, if the president, you know, to do an override over a presidential veto would be, You'd need 67 
senators, and there aren't 67 senators who will go against it. You need 17 Democrats to go against the president. You need, um, and generally everybody's assessment is that it doesn't exist. Wow. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. <coughs> Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSegal.com and the NahumSegal Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us here for the weekly update. We'll talk about the uh, Israeli election in a minute. You, you got to do the Gorbachev piece with me because uh, it is now that he's gone, um, it is um, fascinating to look at that period of time, especially in light of the fact that now there is this Russian Ukraine war going on. Um, so did, did he in fact become, I mean, some people have really simplified that, that, that time period since his passing. Did he in fact become a, uh, an accidental human rights champion because he was trying to save the economy of the Soviet Union? You know, there are so many assessments that have come up since his death um, and revelations from people who knew. I, I actually met him uh, on two occasions, and there's no doubt that what he did, the question is how he came about doing it and the motivation, whether he, he did not start off, I think, as an advocate of the dissolution of the FSU and the creation of the CIS and the um, other measures that were taken. But clearly he, he, he committed to a path and he pursued it and defended it and did not revert under pressure to, to undo it. And of course, it changed the world. It's it's still the ramifications are clear, and the war in Ukraine is one of those ramifications still of that period. Uh, and people, of course, are juxtaposing Putin and and Gorbachev, Putin wanting to reassert control, at least even if not uh, occupation, but control. And he did occupy Crimea. He did occupy essentially in Georgia, the territories in Georgia. He. He has taken some uh, bold moves, and and the uh, many of his former Soviet Union states are, uh, like in Central Asia, are very scared of him and and of, of the moves they take, not to to annoy him and not to to um, bring the wrath of uh, of uh, Russia down on them. Right now, Russia is preoccupied, and their performance in Ukraine hasn't been so outstanding as to add to the to to the threat level. But it's certainly um, the, the stability in the, in the region, the fear of some of the Baltic states, others, about what could happen um, is very, very clear. So I think Gorbachev deserves the recognitions he's gotten. He, you know, he came afterwards and met, spoke to Jewish audiences, spoke to other audiences, and defended what, what he did. And he deserves the credit for that. Uh, but was it, in fact, a financial issue? If if the USSR would have been financially stable, would he have just continued? That's a good what question. It's a very good question, and the probability is no, but um, who knows? You know, we always look back, and hindsight gives you 2020 vision. Uh, the, the fact is he brought about the change, and the, the economic conditions were devastating at the time. For, for Russia, but they're devastating right now for Russia, and yet Russia has emerged, and it seems internally continuing to, and a lot of that has to do with the increase in the price of oil, as facilitated uh, Russia being the largest exporter of oil, not Saudi Arabia in the world, and the um, 
internal conditions that uh, that they and and bypassing some of the sanctions through Iran through other illicit means uh, have been able to sustain it. The people of Russia, you know, have proven that they can take a lot of pain, but there comes a point where they start to go against the government as well. And um, in terms of the uh, uh, in terms of the um uh, uh, the reaction in Russia itself. I mean, I assume there's not going to be any massive state funeral or recognition of Gorbachev the way the rest of the world is reacting to his passing. Well, there will be a, a, a formal funeral, but uh, Putin is not going. He already announced it. He issued a statement memorializing um, Gorbachev, but um, so people he's not are, going because he's not happy with what he did. Right. So people like Putin. I mean, it's not like a, it's not a recent development. They must have been fuming about it thirty years ago. Sure. They always he's as, going, as it was talking ha- about it, and uh, there are those who who've never come to terms uh, with the change. And if they could, are there those who would reverse it immediately? And those of us who are faith based, it's interesting to see the way God runs the world. Um, millions of Jews, a lot of people, including my own kids, don't realize, you know, what was going on behind the Iron Curtain and how so many millions were suffering um, at the hands of the Soviet leaders. And then, uh, and then this happens, again, whatever machinations from above, uh, you know, were set into motion. And all of a sudden, uh, you're talking about not only freedom for Jews, but you're talking about a massive increase in Jewish population in Israel. And a complete change in and 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 even a change in local Jewish communities in the United States, depending on where you are, just a a complete uh, a complete revolution, all because of one man's um, either desire or you know political maneuvering that he thought was necessary at the time. Yeah, I, I, it's not just one man, but it, it you know and it was the culmination of a lot of uh, things. You have to go back to give Ronald Reagan credit. Right. You know, for for his tough stand and for his uh, declarations, and remember, Mr. Gorbachev, take down this wall, and right. uh, he certainly deserves um, recognition. So it's never one person. It's right that some people rise to the moment, to the occasion, which is very important, and he did. But yeah. it, you have to remember the role of the United States, going back to the Jackson-Bannock Amendment and right. the other pressures that were brought to bear. Yeah, pretty amazing. Um, pretty amazing. Um, so last week we were discussing the uh, split between Smotrich and Ben Gvir. We did not realize that as we were speaking, they were meeting in uh, Benjamin Netanyahu's house, and he was brokering a deal to get the two of them to run together. How does this change uh, the? How does this change the the Israeli election now? Uh, that's number one. Uh, but number two, does it put BB in an even stronger position than what we described last week? Uh, yes, uh, my answer yesterday might have been different than the answer today. And again, you know, nobody can predict what anything that happens in Israeli politics. But Netanyahu urged them to to merge because the fear is that one of them uh, would make the uh, cut, right. and therefore you lose those seats. What's in fact happening is by the merger of the two parties, they are losing seats right now, the latest uh, indications, and that they had more seats separately. They um, And the, the numbers, you know, for 
the right-wing coalition are very tenuous right now. They're not as high as they were a week ago. But that, that, well, mean, that, that, yeah, that vacillates, and that will go back and forth anyway. Pardon me? No, that means that there are just too many voters, or and I know the polls are not always accurate, but there are too many people in the electorate that favor Smotrich and don't like Ben Gvir, and too many that like Ben Gvir and don't like Smotrich, and that's why they're more than willing to vote for them separately, but not that they're a block? Or, 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 yeah, and don't want to see the, the um, mer- but you had that merger in, in the left also where people right. then walk away from that party because they say that's not the party that I wanted to support. Right. Um, right. But that, again, it will shift more uh, and external factors will, will play a role. I think when the U.S. announces deals like this and the defense deal, the Gantz's activities in Japan and the other things I mentioned and so many other things that are going on, all those things you know, have impact about whether people's confidence in them, and et cetera. Um, and you see that the, the shifting is really one seat, two seats up and down uh, in the various parties, some that make the threshold, some that don't make the threshold. There, there are uh, the religious parties and conflicts with each other, too. So all of this is in flux. It's much too early when we're talking about a November 1st election. And now in Israel, you have the particular problem of, of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot, which limit the, the political campaigning. So they are going to be at it very strong, I think, in the next couple of weeks before Rosh Hashanah and have very limited time between then and November 1st to uh, to get out into the hustings and, and campaign. Do you get the whole Pollard involvement in this election and uh, wavering whether he is supporting or not supporting certain candidates, et cetera? Like, is, is he just... Well, he... Yeah, I don't think it's such a great idea, but um, um, oh, because of somebody understands with the U.S., I guess. But the um, he had endorsed uh, uh, Barty and then um, said he saw statements and directions that don't indicate that um, it will be part of a right-wing coalition necessarily. It's a new fusion party. So uh, he withdrew within 12 hours. He withdrew his endorsement so you know israeli politics is not a game for novices this is right. it's so complicated that even the most experienced people don't know what the hell they're doing B- sometimes bb bb himself is uh <laughs> is, is learning on the on a daily a basis master of it, but, uh, yeah and he's that he has to learn it, uh you know too often right i mean he he, to, he goes ahead i mean look, look what you just described to us he goes ahead and a week ago sets in motion this this coalition block and not realizing, as you just told us, that it, it, it could end up hurting the numbers. And the numbers are really important. I mean, we're talking about, you know, one or two mandates can completely, you know, move this election into a, someone's favor at this point. So, uh, or you end up again with a stalemate, or you, right? You know, it's, it's very unpredictable. Unbelievable. By the way, you mentioned that we were talking about the Soviet Union's economy before. Uh, the Ukrainian economy, or at least very, very, very local Ukrainian economy, is uh, dependent on flights to and visits uh, to Uman for Rosh Hashanah. But now it looks like uh, it looks like um, Israel, the U.S., many people are discouraging their citizens from going there for Rosh Hashanah. Do you still think there'll be a crowd? I certainly would agree with those who want to discourage people from going. Because, you know, first of all, the people in Oman, there are always anti-Semitic incidents and stuff. And it is remarkable from all the people I've heard about what goes on there and tremendous. But I think that this year people should exercise caution. 
Uh, I don't believe that the Russians will target Uman. They're not, that's not, not been the pattern. They're not going to do it. But going there, people traveling around, and you know, you just need one misfired rocket to a misdirected rocket to to um, be a tragedy. So uh, I think if one year it can be limited and you know uh, people exercise more caution, it's it will be the better part of wisdom. You know, it's funny because someone who was there said to me that the difference between Uman during Corona and Uman in a regular year is that during the regular years, a lot of authorities uh, come from Israel and help keep the peace and help and negotiate if there are problems between locals and and visitors, etc. And during Corona, that did not happen, and it, and it did lead, as you just said, to different episodes and incidents that, you know, uh, one would regret. And it looks like, again, if everyone's being discouraged from going this year, that maybe those authorities are again going to be staying away, and it could lead to further problems. Just speculation. I'm not trying to... You know, I'm just I'm just tossing that out there that uh, that there is a difference uh, between the way it's being handled and organized uh, these days compared to when it was quote unquote normal when we didn't have the pandemic and uh, and wars to worry about. Um, Afghanistan possibly becoming an Abraham Accords member. Did you see this piece? Yeah, I, I wouldn't bet too much on that. Uh, you know, the Taliban haven't exactly expressed. Um, I mean, how does that even how does that rumor even start? Because there are exchanges, and uh, the, the but there have been rumors about virtually every country. When I was in Australia, I heard I met with officials who who people talked about other countries as being potential. When I um, checked on it, it doesn't it doesn't seem to be very much verification in terms of the readiness to move. I do think that there are countries who would be ready to cooperate. Look, everybody wants Israeli technology. Everybody wants the high tech, the water tech, the, um, the energy. So there's a lot of things that make it attractive, but the Taliban's ideology would be so uprooted by uh, joining, I think, the Abraham Accords. There are many other countries that would come first. You know, people looking right. at That's Chad and, and Sudan, both of which have sort of indicated it's Sudan side on, even though they don't, I don't think they have official peace treaty with Israel. Finally, I mean, you mean, I mean, look, we're, we're seeing, we said this last week, we're seeing so many local, uh, anti-Semitic, uh, incidents. Um, a lot of videos are going viral. Um, the college campuses are no exception. Plus I'm sure you saw at Berkeley, these student uh, organizations are now going into formal BDS mode and making sure not to invite any Zionist leaders to the campus and this is now; these are now coalitions of student groups that are getting together in groups of eight or nine, who are you know making it policy at this point. Um, we 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 can't lose focus on what's going on. There is a uh, uh, there, there's obviously there are obviously um, you know I- issues of of crime, episodes, incidents that are going on in this country that need to be addressed in general. Uh, but let us not lose focus on the fact that very often Jews and in the college campus case, Israel are the targets. The campuses remain the battleground, the foremost battleground, but not exclusive. And it's not just against students, it's against faculty increasingly. And we saw the University of California, again, the incidents this week, they're hanging the banners, and the fact that the university administration came out against it. But I want to know, will those responsible be prosecuted? We have to make sure that in every case, and we'll make available legal support, 
for students, for faculty, for, for the communities to pursue anybody who engages in these activities and the local Jewish communities have to get involved. But we have to hold to account the university administration. And again, in this case, they did speak out, but I don't know if they did it immediately or and, and under what pressure, but donors and alumni and others, we have to take it on. But it's not just there, as you see, the attacks in Williamsburg and Crown Heights against visible Jews. But that, I think, is a mistake when we talk about it, because Jews who are not visible by virtue of their clothing are being attacked and are being subjected to to even non-Jews who are suspected of being Jewish have been uh, beaten up. So this is a, a, a matter that we have to demand in terms of, of the judiciary, the revolving door justice. Uh, I saw that they said that of uh, over 100 cases, only one guy actually ended up in jail. The people are not being prosecuted. They're not being um, held to account in the appropriate way. Too many of these cases go unresolved. I think the police do pursue it, and they look at the, the cameras, and people have been caught. But the problem is that they get caught, and they're out a few minutes later. Yep. And if we have, again, this wave of you know knockouts where people – just you know, go on the streets and and knock a punch a Jew out, which was we saw a couple of years ago. Police have to step in right now. The, the elected officials have to step in, and I want to see black leaders speaking out. I want to see religious leaders speaking out. I want to see people who who should be held to account for their silence and and for making it wholly unacceptable to uh, to engage in these activities and and it's right left center it's muslim black it's uh, whatever the source is jew hatred has become so commonplace and we cannot become inured to it we can't just accept these uh, the day-to-day things where little children can get slapped on the street or punched where old women are 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 mistreated uh, where uh, elderly people are, where I mean, this or young people. It it's not an age-based thing, and it doesn't matter whether we're visible or not. That's not an excuse for saying, "Well, there was a very visible Jew in there, for he got attacked." That's just an excuse to say they mean those Jews and not all Jews. No, it's all Jews, and all Jews have to respond and hold to account everybody else to be able that they have to speak up and denounce it. Well said, Malcolm Holine, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Thank you, Malcolm. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again next week. Uh, good Shabbos to you. Be well. Uh, Malcolm Holine, every Friday, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time with a weekly update here at JM in the AM. Friday morning, hour of Shabbos, candlelighting time at 8, at 8.07. Candlelighting time at, yeah, don't, don't write that down. Candlelighting time at 7.06. 7.06 here in the New York area. 7.06. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Uh, checking out our app. Glenn Richter says that Newsweek.com has an op-ed on Gorbachev and the Soviet Jews, which he co-authored with Rabbi Avi Weiss. I will check that out. Newsweek.com op-ed. Um, Shira's mom writes on the app, please wish Mazel Tov to Yaakov and Shana Golding upon Rafi's Bar Mitzvah tomorrow. Also to the grandparents, Izzy and Joyce Goldberg and the Goldings from Muncie. Thanks and Shabbat Shalom Nachum. That's funny. Izzy just mentioned to, uh, to my wife, Stacy the other day that the big Bar Mitzvah is coming up this weekend. That's really wonderful. Yaakov and Shana Golding. Wow. I think I was at Shana's Bat Mitzvah, if I'm not mistaken. Holy cow. Yaakov and Shana Golding, Mazal Tov on Rafi's Bar Mitzvah. Wow, that is unbelievable. 
Friday morning Erev Shabbos. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Shovtim. According to the Chinuch, Parshas Shovtim contains 41 mitzvos. It has 14 positives and 27 restrictions. Among the different mitzvos that you have in the parsha are the mitzvah of lososur midivrehem, not to deviate, but to follow the teachings of the Chachamim. So just be aware that even the nusach of the bracha that we have for mitzvos drabanan. Tonight, we have to wash because you have to have bread as part of the meal because we have to bench and we have to say ritzay. So the bracha for washing the tilas yadayim is the same text of the bracha in terms of the beginning of the bracha as it is for putting up a mezuzah. The only difference is putting up a mezuzah is a biblical mitzvah and washing one's hands before bread is a rabbinic mitzvah. So how can we have the same text? So when we say the bracha of Asher Kitshanu B'mitzvah Sav that he sanctified us with his commandments, Vitzivanu, and he commanded us, Likboa Mezuzah, that means that God commanded us in his Torah, as it says at the end of the first two paragraphs of Shema, that we are to inscribe Torah on the doorposts of our homes. Now, tonight when we say the bracha, Vitzivanu, on the tilas yodayim, where in the Torah did God command us to wash our hands? And the answer is, v'tzivanu, it's as if there's a carrot there, saying, look what's above the line. He's commanded us in this week's parasha to listen to the chachamim, who in turn commanded us to wash our hands. You have in this week's parsha the mitzvah of Melech to appoint a king. And once again, in the Birkas HaMazot, in the third bracha, we're going to say tonight, tomorrow, that, listen carefully, Hashem should have mercy on Am Yisrael Yerushalayim and Malchus Beis David Mishichecha, kingship. We had kingship. And Amir Sashem, we will have it again. And we are mispalel in every Shmona Esrei for kingship. Esemach Dover Abducha, we want Moshiach, is the essence of that bracha. And among the other mitzvos, you have the mitzvah of Baltashchis, not to waste, destroy uh, property food, etc. I'd like to focus on the very first verse and specifically the second half of the Pasuk. The Pasuk begins 
as the parasha does, you are to appoint judges, officers throughout the land. And how does the Pasa conclude? And they are to judge the people righteous judgment. So at first glance, these five words to judge the people, Mishpat Sedek, certainly refers to the very beginning of the verse, Shoftim Vishochim, the judges, the offices are to judge the people a in a uh, righteous fashion. The Tanhuma, however, extends those five words and learns Vishoftu Esaum Mishpat Sedek to refer not only to judges, but indeed to each and every one of us. Namely, we are all judges. We all see around us different situations, and we have the opportunity to judge, be it an individual or a group. We have the opportunity to judge them favorably, that what they did was good, or, unfortunately, we have the opportunity to judge them in a not favorable fashion. So the Tanhuma is teaching, if you have that opportunity, judge them favorably. And I quote, from here we learn, and I'm translating the Medrash, Tanhuma, that the Jewish people are to be matin umalamdin aleim schus. We are to try and to, we are to learn and to judge favorably the nation and individuals. And we learn it out, says the Tanhuma, from Gidon, one of the Shoftim judges that we have in the book of Shoftim, that in his day the Jewish people were in Tzora, meaning they were in trouble. And God was looking for somebody who would learn and be favorable towards them. He couldn't find, because they were dal b'mitzvos u'bemasim. They were poor in their mitzvos and positive actions. However, once Gidon learnt schus merit on the people, the Malach came to him, and the Malach said to him, Leich Go with this incredible strength of character that you showed. And what was that? Bekoach zuchus sholamadato albonai. Because you found favorable judgment on my people. And this is what it means, the second half of the verse, Vishoftu Esho'om Mishpat Sedek. We are to judge people favorably. Now, this is a very significant point. The Bartanura, in his commentary on Pirkei Ovos, in the first chapter, 
where we are taught that you are to and have done his the Bartanura learns that this is a Midas Chasidus. However, the Chafetz Chaim in his Sefer on Hilchos Lashon Hara, both in the Psicha, in the introduction, in the section of the Essen, positive mitzvos, in number three he writes, that we should be careful not to violate the mitzvahs asay of B'tzedek Tishpot Amisecha. In Vayikra, chapter 19, Pasuk 15, the Torah teaches that you should judge your fellow favorably, and according to the Chafetz Chaim, this is a positive mitzvah. And he repeats it again in Hilchos Lashon Hara, in Kaldalid Halacha Gimel, where he writes that if somebody is a Benuni, quote, your average Joe, and he's not known to be either or a tzaddik or, God forbid, a Russia, and he doesn't act, which could be interpreted either positive or negative, you dare not judge him negatively. And just the opposite, you are to judge him positively, and I quote, Vuhu mitzvahs asay de oraisa, it's a positive fulfillment of a positive mitzvah from the Torah of Bitsedek Tishpot Amisecha, the Kamaposkim, according to several authorities, and the Chafetz Chaim sides with that opinion. Now, what might be the basis for this? So there's a beautiful interpretation. Our rabbis tell us, it's not just a nice song. It's not just a nice expression. The Torah says, You are to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, what does that mean? When we do something which might be interpreted in either positive or negative, we are quick to find merit for ourselves. We're quick to rationalize. We're quick to find all kinds of excuses to exonerate that's what we did. Well, if we truly fulfill the after the Kamocha, then just as we find excuse and positive interpretation for our own actions, so too we will find for the next one. And so the Peleoites, when he talks about this concept of Dan Lakafschus, he says a Baruch who wants that we should be Malamed Sanigoria Al Yisrael. God wants us to learn positive looking at and positive treatment and understanding of the cloud, the, the larger people of Israel and the prat, the individuals. And the Kedusha slave, he says, listen carefully now, that Yom HaMishpat Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur is coming, and God wants to judge the Jewish people favorably. 
with kindness and rachamim. However, we need is Orurusa de Lasata. We need it to begin from down here. We have to awaken the characteristic of Rachmanus upstairs. And how do we do this? By each of us Lemedim Schus Akol Ishmi Yisrael. We are to try to learn and see positively each and every Jew. Says the Kedushas Levi, the Levi Yitzchok of Bardichev. Ah, oh, and therefore, Shoftim Vishochim Titain Lucha. The Torah is selling each and every one of us, because each and every one of us throughout our days encounters different situations where we can either become upset at somebody because. This is how we interpret it. Or, if we only stopped to think, we could find a nicer, better way of interpretation. I'd like to close with a beautiful little story. A little boy was holding two apples, one in each hand. And his mother came in and softly asked her son with a smile, Darling! Could mommy have one of your apples? The boy looked up at his mom for a few seconds, and then he quickly bit into each apple. The mother felt the smile on her face freeze as she tried hard not to reveal her disappointment in her son's failure to share. But then the boy handed one of his bitten apples to his mom with a huge loving smile and said, Here, mommy, take this one. It's sweeter. No matter who you are, how experienced you are, and how knowledgeable you think you are, be careful what you see may not be the reality. How important this is that we judge each person favorably. Shabbat Shalom to all. Just minutes approaching Soon will come the Shabbos A long busy week Will soon come to a close You rush to put on All those finishing touches As a spirit of peace Descends on your home Shalom Aleichem 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 Mi melech malchem lochem hakadosh baruchu. The candles are lit and the table's been set. 
The smells of the Shabbos envelop your home. You come back from shul, and as you open the door, you're welcomed with greetings of Shabbat Shalom. From this holy abode, you're thankful next week that this all will come back as you call out a mavdil kodesh
JM and the AM with Barry Weber. Ritzon Bahraini, the name of that one. Before that, Dovido with uh, Malachi Shalom. JM and the AM with a reminder, this coming Sunday is a swabbing day. Those of you who are uh, available Sunday at 11 a.m., make sure to be at the event uh, that uh, Renewal is going to have in the Cedarhurst as we try to... Um, as we try to get a um, a match for Dr. Jay Bienenfeld, who's in need of a kidney. It's happening at Gehila Space Israel, 352 West Broadway in Cedarhurst, starting at 11 a.m. on Sunday, swabbing at 12 noon. Now, as we said earlier, the swabbing is actually going to start much, much earlier. If you're only able to be there at 9 o'clock or at 9.30 or at 10 o'clock, you can get swabbed then as well. Uh, early Sunday morning at Gehila Space Israel, 352 West Broadway in Cedarhurst. So um, please try your hardest. If you're not at the actual event, try to be there Sunday morning to be swabbed. And we, of course, appreciate that very, very much. And um, you'll find the link uh, to the information about the event on our uh, Chesed page, nachomsegel.com slash chesed, nachomsegel.com slash chesed. You will see it up there. Uh, JM in the AM with um, candle lighting at 7.06. 7.06 is candle lighting time on this Friday Erev Shabbos. Don't forget the Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zamek starts at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, specifically designed for this Shabbos, for Shabbos Shoftim. Um, again, that's coming up starting at... Uh, 10 a.m. Eastern Time right here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Saturday Night Siegel tomorrow night with Avrami and uh, Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. That's tomorrow night at 9. Sunday at Samatis with JM Sunday starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Monday's Labor Day, but I believe I am doing the show Monday. I believe so. One way or the other, there'll be a show Monday morning, and um, that'll be on between 6 and 9. And I hope everyone has a restful and wonderful Labor Day weekend. More coming up at Shalshelis Jr., JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. That is the uh, Salcellus Jr. selection off volume number four. The Chuppa song is called. Pretty amazing, huh? Yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one, I must say. Um, we went through the schedule for you. It's very simple. Lots of great programming through the weekend, including our uh, Erev Shabbat show with Mark Zamek at 10 a.m. Eastern time this morning. Make sure to be tuned in. It's brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. 10 a.m. Eastern Time this morning for the Erev Shabbos show, specifically prepared for this Shabbos, and I thank Mark for that. Candlelighting 706 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM.
Your candles will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Friday here at JM&AM and a great week. Don't forget, Labor Day Monday, we are here between 6 and 9 a.m. Make sure to join us. Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami. Tomorrow night with Ariel Yezers Wickler. It starts at 9. Matis with JM Sunday. That happens at 7 a.m. Eastern time on Sunday morning, live on the Nahum Siegel Network. Mark Zamek and the Arab Shabbos show happens at 10 a.m. Eastern time today. Um, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Make sure to be tuned in for that. And plenty more all through the day, all brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Great weekend, everybody. Monday morning, we're back starting at 6 a.m. Until then, Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.